We absolutely love Drink Arepa here at Keegan & Company. Not only is this a brain performance drink, but it was designed and tested by neuroscientists in New Zealand made from all natural ingredients. When I was playing professional footy, I was constantly looking for ways to be better physically and mentally. Now, podcasting, study and work, I focus on training, good quality food and sleep, but I prioritise having a bottle of a repper when I want to be switched on mentally. Gives me mental clarity and I just feel like I'm on. Head to drinkatrepper.com and use the bespoke code Keegan25 for 25% discount. That's Keegan25 at drinkarepa.com. Welcome to the first episode of Keegan and Company. In this episode, I am talking to Olympic gold medalist, Mac Horton. I've gotten to know Mac over the last couple of months and he is an absolute legend. I love the fact that he is constantly looking to improve himself. He's one of the hardest workers I know. In this episode, we do a deep dive into pressure and how pressure is a privilege. Uh, his gold medal at Rio um, and everything in between. I've, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really think you guys are gonna get a lot out of it. Enjoy. Keegan and Company. It's Keegan and Company, the company you keep. That's it. That's got to be it. It's so nice facing each other. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it'd be even, imagine if we had like a nice little cold brew here. We could just like I sit. almost brewed a coffee to bring <laughs> in for you. <laughs> we should have done I it. I ran out of time. <laughs> we should have done it. I've got one sitting over there. Um, there's not enough in there. Sorry, yeah. brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm, saving, I'm, I'm saving a little bit for, the, for Jamie, who's coming up yeah, now. Okay. She's a legend. She's such a good chick. Um, we're, we're on. Mac Horton, welcome, brother. Thank How you. How are you? I'm good. How are you, mate? Good, 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 mate. You moved from Melbourne to the Gold Coast a couple couple months ago, the last year. Yeah, just over a year ago. How you um? How you finding the God's country, GC? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone raves about the Gold Coast, yes. don't they? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I do miss Melbourne though a sure. lot, to be honest. Um, I grew up in Melbourne my whole life. Family and friends are there, um, and just like that Melbourne lifestyle of being able to walk everywhere, cafes on every corner. Gold Coast is good. I do love Gold Coast. It has its perks. But it has its perks, but I also miss the Melbourne perks. And obviously Melbourne has its downsides as well. Of course. Do you get back as much as you can? Uh, not as much as I would like to. I probably only did three or four weekends last year. Um, just with training, it's so hard to get away. And I can literally, I train Saturday morning and I'm back Monday morning. So sure. I have a day and a half to get back and get back up. Why, why'd you make the move? Like obviously you love Melbourne, family, friends, everyone's there. Why'd you come to Gold Coast? Uh, purely for swimming. Yeah. So I, I did, um, 14 years with the same coach in Melbourne. Wow, so man. he picked me up when I was 11 or 12, coached me to an Olympic gold, uh, through two Olympic cycles, um, and then, yeah, after the last Olympics, I was just like, I might only have one more cycle left in me. And I just, you know, I don't want to finish my career wondering if I should have done something different or should have tried a different coach or what it could have been. Um, so I was like, I just, I just got to make the move and test it out and try something new. How, how hard was it making the move? Because obviously you had a lot of success early at Rio, won the gold at Rio. Then I think the year later you won the 400 metre gold at the Commonwealth Games, um, how hard was it to say, you know, you've been with the same coach for 14 years? Like, what was that conversation like leaving? It was really hard. Um, and it's, it's like quite hard. It's, it's hard, I think, in an individual sport to have those tough conversations. I imagine for you in a team sport, you probably have tough conversations more frequently than we do. <laughs> um, and so I rem we actually, we went for a walk for like two hours and just because he wasn't in in Tokyo. Uh, so we we're just like kind of debriefing on the whole experience. Um, and yeah, I, I only brought the courage up at the end to do it. Wow. And it, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. And I'm still good friends with him. We chat, uh, 
went fortnightly to monthly. Um, it's been really good actually because he, he communicates with my new coach up here. So um, obviously he learned a lot about me over those 14 years and how to coach me. So he's helped guide this program as well. 14 years is a long time. Is he, is he, it's huge. Like, would it, is he sort of like a mentor to you? Like, what do you think makes him such a great coach? Like, um, I think he, I, the, the hardest thing about, I mean, the technical side of coaching, I think is actually, I mean, it's difficult, but you can learn that. The hardest bit is managing people and managing athletes and building that relationship. So I guess the foundation of it was the great relationship that we had. Um, and that was just from knowing him for so long, really, like from the age of 12, whatever. Um, yeah, grew up with him and that was all I knew. So obviously that makes the move even scarier as well. And how was the move? Gold Coast, you got, you got some new new faces or you might've even known them. You might've even swam with them or against them. Like how, how is the new crew on the GC? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, I think really refreshing. I think when I left Melbourne, it was like peak COVID as well. So I had to quarantine coming into Queensland. Jeez, like how tough. Such a muck Where'd around. you go? Did you just lock in at a hotel or did yeah, you Yeah, hotel in Brisbane for two weeks. Yeah, and sucks. I did two weeks in Darwin coming back from Tokyo as well. Oh, so man, you poor bugger. 2021, I did a month <laughs> in head, How's your headspace in, in that? That sucked. Uh, I actually kind of found it relaxing in a weird way. Because you, you, it's like an excuse to just switch off from the world. Yeah. Um, and the, the hotel room was harder by myself. Uh, Darwin was okay because we were in like cabins and we could sit on our balconies and talk to everyone that was in the swim team. We're like grouped up together. Um, and so we like, you'd build a bit of a routine within that group and you know, <laughs> you'd all sit out on your balconies and have breakfast, then go back and you'd all come back out for lunch and then go back in and all Sick. out for dinner and just sit out there and enjoy the night in Darwin. Did they bring in any gym equipment or like a Watt bike or a nothing. treadmill? Nothing. No need after the Olympics. Of like, course, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but it was actually really funny as well because they, it was set up in like pods. Uh, so there were maybe eight people in a pod, so like four each side facing each other. So that was they were the eight you could talk to, but you couldn't really reach to anyone else. Right. But when you did your washing, you would walk around the, I don't know, accommodation or whatever, yeah, yeah. the facility. And each pod had like different energy on the day. So some days you'd walk into a thing and they'd be like, geez, these guys are flat and they're yeah. struggling today. And this pod right next to them would be like high on energy. <laughs> they're partying. And so it was really interesting how much everyone fed off each other in that situation where you're like so reliant on each other because you have no other stimulus. Wow. That just, because we did a quarantine as well when we were in Sydney, I think it was maybe, when we would it hit 2020? Yeah. And we were all, we weren't sure what it was going to look like. And then the NRL made the decision where it says, okay, you've got, we're leaving, I think that night or they told us yeah. the morning of and they say, you're either on or you're off. Yeah. Make the decision. Or maybe it was the next morning. So I think we had like 12 hours to pack our bags yeah. and get changed. Luxury. It was actually, yeah. yeah. No, we, I remember we found out the night before um, and guys woke up woke up to the message because they had their phone on airplane yeah. mode throughout yeah. the night. And they're yeah. like, fuck, got to pack, got to pack for a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, we, we were lucky in the sense that we had a kind of like a hotel yeah. where the quarantine. So they put up gates around the whole yeah. hotel and we could interact with each other we could actually train yeah the whole team the whole team yeah we were actually in ours we had a few teams so we had Unreal. rabbits we had warriors raiders us para and i think there was one other team because they spaced it out between yeah. sunny coast brisbane and gold coast so mate we were so lucky could you interact with the other teams of course yeah because Unreal. it was a, it was a secluded bubble yeah um 
but then when all like the partners flew up because we left for maybe a month before them yeah and then they flew the partners up and they had to go into a hotel i think in surface yeah same thing in your room can't move i think they there was a few dramas with people going out on their balconies so yeah. they made them duct tape their windows shut so no. they couldn't even get any fresh air um but then the partners merged with that and then they merged and then everyone merged how did the vibe change when the partners eventually merged uh i think it was okay i think gold coast was a lot better than sydney at yeah. the time and melbourne obviously like melbourne and sydney had it really tough but gold coast was good in the sense where i think we had a few more restrictions not like we had less restrictions in the sense that we could actually go out for a walk once the families actually came out yeah so we could go we couldn't go out to restaurants or cafes or anything like that but we could still go out and get fresh air yeah um they gave us a, an apartment each in surface so we could hang around there and, and just cruise, which was yeah. which was cool. Oh, we were yeah. lucky. But I couldn't imagine when you said you were you were sweet, you liked the alone time. I was like, mate, you must really enjoy your own company. <laughs> you find a rhythm though, I reckon. Hundred percent. Yeah. You get into the groove and it's all right. Anyway, coming back to the squad. The squad's good. Yeah, we, <laughs> that was we, did a, a we did a full circle. How who are the crew you're training with? Uh, a couple of the bigger names, I guess, would be like Emma McKeon, sure. Kaylee McEwen. Um, so yeah, there's a few Olympic gold medals in there. Um, in Melbourne, I was in a squad of maybe seven or so, so like kind of small. Yep. Up here, it's like 20, wow. um, which is just so different. Like 13 people is a huge difference. Yeah. Like the, if someone's flat or whatever, you might not notice in a bigger group yeah. um, just because there's so much more energy and so many other people to feed off, um, which again is probably something that you've experienced Playing rugby, um, you know, it, it's much easier training in a big group when everyone's getting around each other. And yeah, um, so yeah, that's been really refreshing. But also, just swimming outside, it's yeah. beautiful. It's not cold. <laughs> it's not cold. It's not cold. <laughs> the sun's up at four thirty or whatever hour it is on the Goldie. Does it does it raise the standard having that many high profile, not high profile, but high quality swimmers? Absolutely, like everyone's fast, yeah. right? Well, uh, I mean, none of us really cross over the same event okay um so there's probably like no direct training partner for me i have people that swim i swim 400 there's like 1500 meter swimmers sure. open open water swimmers um but yes having such a high standard is what makes the difference like yeah. I, I don't need the direct comparison with someone in an event but just people coming and i guess pushing their limit and getting the most out of themselves every day makes a difference and rubs off on you. How does training change between a 400-metre swimmer, say, to a 1,500-metre swimmer versus a 100-metre swimmer? Like, run me through that. Is everyone doing the same stuff or uh, how does it change? Early season, we all roughly do the same stuff, but by the end of the season, sometimes we'll have, like, eight different sessions going in one session. Wow. Um, but the difference really is, like, Ks and intensity. Uh, so open water, just low, lower intensity, more Ks. Um, and basically as you work your way down to a shorter event, higher intens intensity, less Ks. I was going to say, um, you, you said that there's no real crossover, but does it, does it get competitive? Like within, within the environment where it's like, I want to, I want to beat Emma today. Like, oh, <laughs> like, like she's like, she's obviously at the top. Like, oh, I want to beat cause it was the same with me. Like when I was playing yeah. footy, we're in the same team. And we've got the same goal. We've got a group goal to win. Yeah. But when we're wrestling or when we're doing a post session, it's like, I'm, I don't want to let this guy beat me. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, <laughs> when we had our staging camp in Bendigo a couple of weeks ago for World Shore Course in Melbourne, we had like a sprintier session. Mm. 
um, which I will do occasionally to like get my speed ready. And I was going head to head with Emma. I'm like, I'm I'm going to beat Emma here. Yeah. <laughs> and I got three for three, so it's pretty oh, hard. Oh, yeah. take it! <laughs> How good. But yeah, there's definitely like warm ups. There's lots of crossover, and then uh, like cooldowns and that sort of stuff as well. So people do get competitive in that. Sick. What's um What's the big events coming up? What are you looking forward to? Uh, we've got Worlds, World Long Course in Japan in August, wow. maybe. Yeah. Um, but we've got our trials five or so weeks before that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's just Paris Olympics 2024. Yeah. Get ready for that. So are you in a, I'm guessing like a pre-season stage where you're doing big Ks now? Uh, I would say pre-pre-season. Pre-pre-season. Getting ready for big Ks. What does that look like practically, like from a gym, swimming, kilometres yeah, not much this week, to be honest. Yeah. Like, only six swims and, like, 3K a session. Right. And so, normally, we'd do nine swims of six to 7K. Wow. Um, but gym's probably a bit heavier. There's a bit more, like, core and Pilates. And it's just, like, getting your body ready to be able to take the Ks I in a couple t- of weeks. I remember you telling me the other day, it's having a foundation of kilometres under your belt, not only in a preseason, but year after year. Yeah. Just for your muscles. Like, run me through that. Uh, I think... Like the, the easiest way to talk about it is actually to talk about Cody Simpson who yeah. just started swimming sure. um, competitively like maybe two years ago. He did swim when he was 13 or so. He was a weapon. Yeah. Shout out to Cody back <laughs> in the day. Board Rescue Partners. It was a long time ago. We I lost. forgot. You did tell me that. We I lost. Forgot. We lost. We got stuck in a gutter and we lost, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it down to the board. That's probably his fault. The board partner sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was on board. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's gone from... No swimming training for the last, I don't know, 10 years or whatever to Olympic level training. Yeah. Um, which has been crazy to watch because for someone like me, I've been just doing Ks since I was like 12 or 13. So yeah. my, uh, basically my tendons are like calloused. Like yeah. they're, they're just used to the load. Yeah. Um, and so I can just crank it on and they're fine. Whereas he, because he's so fresh, they're not calloused at all. And he has to be really gentle in building up the load and make sure his shoulders are ready. So but they, they'd be managing that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All over it. Yeah. Um, so pre preseason, the what will the what will the biggest or the hardest part come? Will that come in about a month or a couple of months time? Uh, probably about three weeks time. So once we hit like full mileage, which would be like sixty ish yeah. k a week, and then we start cranking on the intensity. So the next couple of weeks, we just build up the k's, um, and then we turn up the intensity, and it's just hang on. How like I used. To, I look at all players in all different sports and they hate preseason. Preseason's hard. Your body's sore and you have to rock up every morning and it's probably like when you're in Melbourne, yeah. it's probably a little bit better on the Gold Coast. Yeah. But you wake up in the morning and you know you're probably going to have to have do like a, a 10 kilometer session plus maybe. Yeah. What it's is the best. What's the mental state? Like what are, you, what are you thinking about? Is it just a matter of compartmentalizing and say, I'm just going to get through it and knock it off? Or is it is there any days where it's like, man, not today? I love it. Really? Yeah. I oh, think right. I'm a bit of a sicko. That is sick. Um, yeah, I I enjoy this like building phase because you see quick gains. Yeah. Um, so like rapid improvement. But I also love the feeling of just being cooked. Like I want to be sore. I want to <laughs> really? be tired. Yeah. yeah. I want to be like so tired that I have headaches at night. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like you can swim with headphones in. Well, you probably could, but you're not swimming with headphones in. Like you're... You're just with your own thoughts for own thoughts. an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, two what hours. Th- what are two, two hours? Two, two and a half hours. What are, you, what are you thinking about? Is it a meditative state when you're swimming and you're just looking at the dotted line? Or do you think, 
hey, maybe I'll, maybe what am I going to do for dinner or what's the missus doing tonight? Like, what are you thinking about? You do, you do wonder a lot. Um, yeah. Your mind goes everywhere. Uh, when you do get that meditative state, it is bliss. Really? It's, it's hard to get there. Um, it probably, you probably only get there when you're doing like over distance, like yeah. 800s yeah. repeats and it's like just kind of mind numbing and then it forces you into it. Um, other than that, you're probably thinking about technique because swimming yeah. is so technical. It's like almost every stroke, it's like, okay, I'm going to work on this one. Then the next stroke, okay, that wasn't quite as good on the last stroke. So I'm going to try and fix it on this next stroke. You're thinking stroke by stroke. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, even, okay, when you're training, but what about when you're competing? Is it um, muscle memory? Yeah, or is it muscle memory. So the point of doing it in training is that you don't have to think about it when you're racing. Yeah. Particularly like now, pre-season, you want to set up that stroke so that you can think about it less when the intensity comes on. Yeah. Um, but then as well, there's the what's for dinner, I'm hungry. <laughs> there's a cafe at the pool and every morning about 8 o'clock they start cooking bacon. So oh, half, man, imagine that. Kills me. you only got like half an hour to go. They've just finished the main set. Yeah. Like, let's get out 3K of here. 3K to go. Come on. <laughs> How good. Um, is everyone on the same page with recovery? I really want to talk about your sauna. This is how I'm leading into it. <laughs> this is how I'm leading into it. Um, is everyone on the same page with recovery? And actually skip that question. How is the, how is the, how is the sauna going? Because you built it. You built a wood fire wood sauna. Wood fire sauna. Which you're going to see this afternoon. We're on. We're on this afternoon. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I... I actually didn't build it for recovery, believe it or not. Really? I built it for like, uh, it's just like free aerobic gains okay. sitting in the sauna. And being like a middle distance, distance swimmer, I want to get as many aerobic gains as I can. Sure. And it's like gains without putting more load on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, three, four times a week, I'll just go to like discomfort plus Sick. 10 minutes. Um, you built it yourself um, on a trailer. Yeah. How did you, you, you're not a carpenter by trade, I'm guessing. No. How'd you go about it? Well, you'll see I'm not a carpenter by trade. <laughs> but I've seen the photos. It looks unreal. It looks all right. Um, so I've wanted one for a while. And in Melbourne, I was like, there was one at the pool, but yeah. I found on the Gold Coast, they only have infrared saunas. And I wanted mm. like the traditional. I want the dry. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so I was like, how, how am I going to be able to pull this off and like make it feasible i'm renting i didn't want to have to like put in something permanent and like get approval and like yeah. have an electrician do whatever I was like what if i put it on a trailer and then what if it's wood fired so that it's just standalone sick and then i was like looking at trailers on facebook marketplace and i was like oh, i don't want to have to build a structure to like support it so i just find it like an enclosed trailer and yeah. then all i have to do is clad the inside of it and put sick. the heater in um, and so I found one that's like big enough. It's like 2.4 meter long. So I can lie down in it comfortably. Sick. Um, and yeah, it took me about three months, I reckon, which was two months longer than I thought and really? probably three months shorter than my fiance thought. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, it's been unreal. And then it means when I move maybe to Melbourne eventually or whatever, I can just take it with me. Um, how hot does it get? I don't know. Really? I don't have a no thermometer. Yeah. I don't have a thing yet. Um, but I was saunering at not my sauna, another sauna a couple of weeks ago and it was like 80 degrees and I could get to, you know, 30 minutes pretty comfortably. Mine, I'm like, if I make 15, that's good. Really? So it's hot. Oh man, I'm so looking forward to it because my partner's got an infrared and yeah. it's like, what are we hitting? I it's not the same. It's not, it's, it's, it's a deep heat, but it's not hot. Like yeah. I imagine when we go in, it's going to be hot. Yeah. Like I can't touch my hair. It gets so hot. Do you have to? Do I have to take like jewelry? Do we have to take anything off? Yeah, probably have to take your jewelry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No glasses. Like you just go in and soak it up. How 
where did you where did you like when did you start sauntering? How'd you get into it? Did you read any books, podcasts? <coughs> um in in Melbourne a couple of years ago in my program I had like cycling at heat, like heat training. Yep. Um and so I'd do like forty five minutes on a bike, just zone two at like maybe thirty eight degrees and sixty percent humidity or something. Yep. Again, just for like aerobic capacity. Yeah. Um, without putting more stress on the shoulders because yeah. that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just kind of, I hated it at first. Like it is, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. But you, I often think when I'm hating something about training, like it's easier to try and love it than to keep hating it. Yeah. So you like try and find ways around it. Anyway, fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, I was, I was just missing it up here. So I was like, I need to, need to get back into this. And you'd feel, you must feel so good afterwards. Like, do your body, after it's done, like, once you step out, you're like, that was hard. I just worked hard. Yeah. And I'll do it after, because usually our, our week structure is, like, two hard days, one easy day, uh, one and a half, one day, hard days, easy, and then one final hard day. So I'll do it after the end of the hard block into the recovery day, because if I do it before a hard block, I'll, like, it taxes me neurally, so yeah. I can't get the speed in the pool. Yeah. Um, so it's always after like a monster day as well. So it'll be like two seven K sessions and a swim or something and I'm just cooked and I just finish it in the sauna and it's, it's bliss. What a day. Um, it's the dream. It's so nice. And I'm I'm so pumped to get there this afternoon. I can't wait. There's so much research that have gone into it as well. Like heaps coming out of Greenland and Finland. Uh, Rhonda Patrick. Yeah. She's huge on it. Teach me, because I should know more. For someone who's built one, I should know more about the research. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to the book. People keep telling me, oh, there's so much good research. Yeah, cool. I'll build one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. I, I think it's good to know because it, it crosses over through so many. Like, I don't, I'm the same. I don't know much. Um, I sort of lean on people who know far more than me, man. I'm yeah. just a knuckle dragger footy player. I don't, I don't know too much. <laughs> but, um, but what I do know is that it, cardiovascular, huge. Yeah. Lowers, um, your all cause mortality. So yeah. right. So, um, I think I think the um, parameters were like if you're doing a sauna three to four times a week between twenty and forty minutes. Yeah. At, throughout those sessions, it lowers your all cause mortality by something like forty percent, which I mean, is like forever. It's well, that's yeah. what I mean. Like we're gonna be so we're gonna be feeling so good when we're older. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like all these like Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, all these diseases that you know everyone are struggling with. I don't yeah. know much about it at all yeah. but what i do know is that if it's got to be good if yeah. you're taking your body to that far of an extreme yeah. like you're pushing it at 15 yeah. minutes people cool. also say heat shock proteins yeah. don't really know what they mean <laughs> but apparently <laughs> it's good yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that'd be good um mate what else what else is happening apart from swimming uh what ability is what's in? happening mate I'm really in. cool we did yeah. our first volunteer day the other yeah. day mate you got you got through so you're a qualified support worker so you went through and you did all your checks did all the modules yeah you, you had to sit with me you didn't sound convinced that i did all the modules <laughs> no you did yeah, mate, yeah, I, I mate i was the one who was ticking them off i know i know i did them <laughs> yeah you, you did them all we did the induction online um and we did our first volunteer booking with the participant who we won't say his name um but mate how'd you find the day loved it you did? I've, I've been thinking about it ever since honestly really? what a week and a half ago and i can't wait already to get out on the next one why um why'd you jump on board like what's the like you you train at a full-time like you're an olympic gold medalist right you don't i'm guessing you don't need to work for a cash wise like really yeah but why like why do you do it why what's the what's the appeal um i i think it started because 
I'd finished my uni degree, so I had nothing else going on yeah. outside of swimming. And I was like, I'm well aware that I need something else, otherwise I'll go crazy. Um, and I think I, I said to you when we we first met that the dream was to drive the community bus yeah, around the Gold yeah, Coast I remember that, full yeah. of the aged care residents because yeah. that would be good fun. Yeah. Um, but the time commitment that they wanted and the, you know, I can't commit to you know every Wednesday for six months because yeah. I don't know when I'm going to be travelling or racing or whatever. Um, anyway, then I discovered WordAbility and I guess the flexibility of it um, appealed to me a lot, but also just doing something good and giving back um, or trying to give back. Um, I think sports, like, probably a bit selfish, especially, like, individual Olympic sports are incredibly selfish. Um, obviously, you make a lot of sacrifices, but people around you make a lot of sacrifices as well for you to be able to do what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, it's... I mean, you have to try and balance the ledger somehow of course and i think it takes a i being in it for as long as i've been in it now i've been in it for over a year and i think it takes a certain type of person to gravitate towards this type of work like it's not for everyone like i talk to a lot of different athletes and and i want to give them an experience like i want to show them the day that you had i want to give them the day and a lot of times they might want to go down the mental health route or they want to might want to go down homelessness or everyone's got their own niche, but to be able to take a participant out like a day that we did, like he'll never forget that. Yeah. Like we were like, what did we do? We went to the Willem Bar pool yeah. and we, we swam around. And we it, built boats out of leaves. We, <laughs> it was unreal. <laughs> we built boats out of leaves and like, and he'll never forget that. And it was yeah. something as small as being at a pool building boats out of leaves like yeah. <laughs> I, like and it, and it's just like we forget to have fun yeah like we forget like where obviously you get so creative like kids are so creative just yeah. and the way he was building these little boats i was like we forget to have fun yeah and it's so great to be able to be a little kid again right it is and to get away from the phone get away from social media get away from the computer just be in you when you're out you can't do anything except for be in that moment well, you're there looking, yeah. you're there, you've got a duty of care to, yeah. look, to look after them, right? Yeah. And you don't have the, the pressures of social media and, and probably the pressure of, of swimming at such a high level. Yeah. Like, mate, just touching on pressure, how, how have you dealt with pressure over the years? Like, obviously, did you, you would have had a, probably a target on your back after winning the Olympic, yeah, Olympic gold and Commonwealth gold. Like, how, how did you deal with that pressure? Um, I think it's so, it's so cliche to say, but pressure is what you make of it um but i also think pressure is a privilege because it means that people care yeah um but then the other end of that is that pressure is only whatever like you decide it to be um so it's really all self-imposed um and i i like to imagine it's like if the pressure is written on a newspaper you you can read it and then you just tuck it under your arm it's like (laughs) it's there you're aware of it but you don't need to be absorbed in it yeah um, you don't need to carry with carry it with you on your back or your shoulders. Um, yeah, and in a weird way as well, I actually really enjoyed the pressure. Really, I think some of my best swims um, have been when the pressure is like really on. Can uh, you give me in a scenario? Probably Rio, to be honest. Um, I think going in, I wasn't the favorite uh, after the heat. I probably still wasn't the favorite. I called out someone for uh, being a drug cheat. Sure. And then 
that really put a pressure, a lot of pressure on, and like that six hours between the heat and the final, yeah. like unbelievable pressure. Um, and I just loved it. Like what what ha- on it. what happened? If you don't mind me asking, like because I I remember seeing it when it first came out, and I was young, and mate, to be honest, I wasn't a, a huge swimming fan. <laughs> um, I don't blame you. What <laughs> back then? I am now huge swimming fan. Um, but mate, what what happened? Like if you don't mind talking about it, and we don't have it, we can edit this out. But what what happened? Uh, I won't say names, but a, a guy was splashing me in the warm-up pool. Yeah. And I just ignored it. Media saw it, yeah. asked me about it. I said I don't have time or respect for... Really? Wow. Why was he doing it? Just say hi or whatever, and I just ignored it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he kept going for yeah, yeah. like a minute. Um, It's weird. It's a weird thing to do. Is it different yeah. cultures or... <laughs> it's not the Australian culture, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, then it just blew up. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, how'd you go? Like, you say you pressure's what you make of it. Like, you, it would have got dragged through the newspapers. Is that something that you're easy, you can just brush off easily? Uh, for the most part, I think so. Um, I think, like, in dealing with that, it was having an understanding of who I am and what my values are um, and being so being so sure of my values and who I am yeah. was something that I could like lean on. Um, for sure there's moments though where you're like, am I in the wrong? Like am yeah, I? Yeah, for fully. Um, but then you, I guess, lean on people around you, fa- friends and family um, and often they probably have the same values because they're your friends and family. Exactly. Um, but you know, when, when you're not alone, it's a lot easier. Like when you, have that support network around you um but again i guess it just came back to it was i think in hindsight it was so long ago now but in hindsight it was like an experience that really uh taught me like a lot about myself and let me was i was able to learn a lot about myself through that process as well well the hard times would make you a better person right like hard hard training hard situations that you that you know, you just found yourself in. Yeah. Like, you would have learned so much about yourself. Yeah. When I, for example, like Ned Brockman running across Australia, yeah. I love that because I love people putting themselves through hard times yeah. because that is when you learn about yourself. Mate, he is such an incredible role model in terms of pushing yourself. Yeah. Potentially to his detriment. That's what I meant. But I, <laughs> and I don't know how he's going to top it because he he's talking about on a range of different podcasts about what's next like, and there's something coming. Yeah. How do you oh, – I don't know how he's going to top that. Especially with He doesn't need he, to top it though. He's built such an incredible brand yeah. from what he's done. But And that's – I think he's, he's touching it before. He, he's like, he should know that he doesn't need to top it though because the experience I think was – it, it was valuable for him and it should be valuable for... Jo- Obviously, he raised heaps of money and that's great. Yeah. But the experience it's, itself should... He should, like, cherish that as his own valuable experience and it shouldn't matter what anyone else thinks and it shouldn't matter what they want him to do next. Man, it's so true. He's he's an absolute legend. Actually, he, he's he got this saying... Um, oh, what is it? I can't remember the saying, but it's something about working hard. And just like, and always turn it consistent. It's something about consistency. Um, anyway, he's like, he was talking about, obviously everyone, like the whole of Australia was watching him when he crossed the finish yeah. line. Even the whole, you know, couple of months leading up to it. He was like, no one saw the two years plus work yeah. that went into it beforehand. And then I, I look at what you do 
and you train for years. You ten. Tra- you train for ten years, and then every four years you get to compete. I'm, I'm not if sure. you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is a that is a huge stretch of time, and just to be on in one moment. Yeah. Like, do you think about that often? Often, I get quite salty at rugby and AFL players. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, week to week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you guys have a crap game or whatever, it's like, all right, show up next week. Yeah. I can fix it. For us, it's like three and a half minutes every four years if you get there. Um, so yeah, you do you do think about it a lot, but I think, I mean, thinking back to to Rio and like the gold medal and all of that. I remember doing like a few keynotes or whatever Q and A's and I'd just like throw the medal into the crowd. Like, yeah, just like pass this around. Yeah, and yeah, people were like, why, why don't you care about this medal? I was like, I do care about it, but it's not the, it's not the tangible medal I care about. It's yeah. the, it's the 10 years in the lead up, the experience and what the medal represents. It's not actually that three and a half minutes. It's the everything else, everything else up into the lead up. What do you do after you win the gold medal? any beers or what you, like what's the what's the celebration this has got to be it's got to be it's got to feel amazing right yeah it's so overwhelming to yeah. be honest um the rio i was only 20 in rio so wow. it's like it, it's blew my mind really um we we had it was the first day first day of swimming so opening had, night yeah opening, opening night day, yeah, yeah. so we had a full week swimming to get through after that as a team um and then we just hung out in the village for the second week wow. there was a maccas behind our building so i had a ridiculous <laughs> amount of maccas maccas after a gold medal yeah well because it's like the olympic village thing is yeah. that there's a mcdonald's in there Sick. um and so every day you just one you'd send one person down from your apartment to get an order <laughs> and just be like 20 burgers <laughs> is it usually the like the youngest in the team would go get the burgers I th- we shared it around yeah okay yeah. I remember when I was playing footy, if we were, if you're the youngest, you're, and we're out, you know, on a night out yeah. or if we're out somewhere, it's like the youngest is going to get everything. <laughs> the boys will give them their cards, but it's like, mate, you're the youngest, you yeah. got to earn your stripes. Actually, how is that going into a squad? Because it's an individual sport, but you are training in a squad. Is there much team bonding that goes on? Like, is there, do you guys do much to, to be a team, especially in the Australian team? Like, do you guys do much team, team bonding? It's well, both are very different. So there's the the training squad and the Australia team. I think the training squad, the bonding is like almost every day, like pushing yourself to the limit, like yeah. exposing yourself is the team bonding, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, showing that you're happy to work hard and that you, you know, when people are struggling, you'll get behind them and push them as well. Um, that's probably how we bond. There's it's not like really formalized team bonding. Yeah. Um, and then. On like an Olympic team or a world champs team, it's so different because you only come together for maybe two months. Two months would be a long campaign. Sometimes it's three weeks, two weeks of staging, one week competition, you go home. And that's just like, that's it for the year. Um, And so the first couple of days is always really weird because obviously there's always, there's people that have been there before and know what it's like. And then there might be like 10 rookies and then there's people in the middle as well. Um, and so the first couple of days is everyone just like figuring out where they stand and getting used to the flow of the team again. (laughs) Um, and we will, we'll do like formal team bonding, like athlete games nights and stuff like that. Um, there's no big piss ups I'm imagining. No, definitely not. How, how the codes are different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, there's a real push to bond quickly in those situations because it's such a short period of time. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I mean, our performance is is linked to how well we come together as a team, but it's probably not as strong of a correlation as it would be on like a rugby team or yeah. an AFL team. Yeah. Well, yeah. mate, awesome. Thank you. Um, thanks. I want to so ask you more questions. Yeah, mate. What do you got for me? I'm here. <laughs> now you're on the spot. <laughs> oh, we got nothing but time. Um, I'm curious because you you stopped playing rugby what 18 months ago? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 12, 12 to 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah. and a medical retirement. Yeah. So I think a lot of athletes struggle probably with being, I mean, like almost forced out of their sport. Yeah. Because you, you would go in with a plan and be like, I want to make it to this age or I want to do this much before I stop. Um, and you see, it, you see it in swimming and stuff as well with shoulders and what have you. Um, how, and, but I think, I haven't known you for very long, but watching you, I think you, it looks like you've managed it well. Obviously, it's 12 months on. Yeah. And I think potentially what ability has probably helped quite a lot as well but how, how did you go through that whole process yeah mate it's it's a it's a great question and it's something i talk about pretty often just just with mates yeah going through footy wanted to play state of origin wanted to play for australia wanted to have a 10 plus year career like yeah. even when i was playing I, I still wanted to play into my 30s yeah. um i didn't think i wanted to be i wanted 25 i'm 25 yeah oh sorry just turned 26 a couple of days ago Happy birthday. thank you it's very good <laughs> we, had, we had far too much strength that's all right um yeah so obviously i wanted to play for as long as i could yeah um i had a round of concussions in 2019 that sat me out for six months yeah um which turned to 12 months with covid or maybe 2020 it was um and then had that round of concussions again and then it got cut short yeah. neurologist recommended that i medically retire and and i agreed with him um yeah. i had some pretty severe symptoms um but yeah mate in terms of in terms of missing it, of, of course I miss it. Yeah. Like, I, I love footy. I love the team environment. I love what you said about being able to push yourself. Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed pushing my body to the limit. Yeah. Um, not just in a sense of cardiovascular in the gym, but, like, I really enjoyed, like, the physicality of rugby league. Yeah. Like, that was, that was at a core um, when I was playing. Um, and I do miss it. Uh, but in terms of, like, life and purpose, yeah. right, I love what I do now. Yeah. I, like... I don't know what I'd be doing if it wasn't for what ability. And it just, it was just a sliding door moment. If yeah. it fully was like I retired. Um, and then that off season, I like, and mate, we had a big year. I was, I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't miss the preseason. Preseason's tough. Yeah. So the boys went back to preseason. I didn't miss that. I caught up with a friend, um, Steve Dresler, who founded what ability. We also yeah. went to high school together. Yeah. Um, we had a coffee just to catch up. And he said, mate, you got all this time on your hands. Like, why don't you come do a day with a participant? Yeah. And I did a day and I worked on this participant who was pretty complex, couldn't read, write, talk, yeah. non like nonverbal. Um, took 45 minutes. I think I might have told you, like took 45 minutes just to get in and out of a car yeah. um, because he really struggled with processes. And we were like, um, we were like to the participant's name who I won't say, but um, mate, like out of car, now unbuckle seatbelt, out of car and iPad. And we used an iPad as like a reward. Yeah. I was shadowing a, a, a senior support worker. And um, he got really frustrated because he couldn't talk. He couldn't communicate what he wanted. He ended up wetting himself. Um, we ended up getting him out of the car. We got him showered and dressed. And then he gave us this huge hug yeah. to say, like, that's his way of saying thank you. And that's the way he's saying, like, communicating. So he got it. He understands. Yeah. And, mate, goosebumps. Yeah. Like, I was like to Steve straight after that booking. I was like, Steve, I was like, mate, I'm in. Yeah. I was like, whatever you guys need. Yeah. Um, so I did support work for six months. 
um, and then came on board as national athlete manager. And man, I love what I do now. Like I yeah. wouldn't change, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I miss footy and I was watching like some footy, you know, this today, yeah. just like some old highlights, not of me, from friends. It was of you, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I miss it. But I was like, I, I wouldn't trade, I yeah. wouldn't trade it in. Like I got, I have, I t- it's everything I love to do. So it's at a core, I love helping people. Yeah. And what ability really helps people. Yeah. Like it, it's amazing and it changes people's lives. Um, and it, but it also ties in for me, like the sport and the athlete side of it and showing other athletes what retirement might look like, but also yes. the younger players who might be on a lot of money as a young kid. It's such a bubble. Like you get it. Like sport yeah. is such a bubble and being able to step out of that bubble and have perspective on what yeah. other people are going through and being able to have a real hands-on experience or to help change that. Yeah. It's huge. It is huge. Did you, you just, you fell into what ability, but did you have any idea if it wasn't going to be what ability, did you have an idea when you were playing rugby of what you might do? I tried everything. Yeah. So I did a business degree. Um, I started an MBA with Ryan James, yeah. uh, who was a captain at the Titans. He's an absolute legend. Um, but mate, I tried everything. I, I was laboring. I went. Yeah. Pla- I was plastering. I, I was a landscape laborer. Um, I worked physicality. Uh, physicality. Again. Actually, I went in. Um, I worked as a mortgage broker for a little yeah. bit, just shadowing. Like I would go and shadow a bunch of different workplaces to see if I liked it or not. Yeah. Because I would see so many mates retire and not know what they want to do, yeah. and, and really struggle going into retirement. Because there's and mate, we get it. Like there's so even because it's talked about a lot. Like people struggle going into retirement, and I knew it. But it doesn't, like, you don't know until you're actually there. Yeah. And then when it hit, and I was lucky because I had 12 months breathing room. Um, when you get medically retired, you get your contract paid out. Right. So, I was, so I was lucky to have 12 months and that yeah. saved me. Um, and it's such a great thing that the NRL and the RLPA do. Um, so I was lucky to have that breathing room yeah. to figure out what I wanted to do. Do they, that, do they help set you up for retirement? Like they're pushing to get you to try all these things or do you just had the self-awareness? To I, they push for it. Like they yeah. want players to be studying or to be doing a trade. Yeah. But mate, it's, it's hard when you're a 17, 18 year old kid and you're on a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Like that's, that yeah. would, or even a hundred, like even a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, yeah. You're thinking I'm in the NRL system. I don't, like there is so many places. I've made I don't need, it. That's it. I don't yeah. need to work. Like yeah. I've made it. I'm going to be doing this for the next ten years. Yeah. But then what happens when you don't make it? Yeah. Or what happens when you get cut short? It's like, well, I'm. St- what am I going to do? Yeah. And then you try a bunch of different careers. So that's what when I was to answer your question, I tried a bunch of different careers when I was in the sport. So when I came out, I didn't know yeah. what I wanted to do. Got cut short. I tried everything. I still didn't know what I wanted yeah. to do. I just <laughs> fell in. I just fell into it. Yeah. But it's um, it's you the. The best thing about playing professional sport is that you'll come out of it and you'll have a lot more like you when you retire in however many years time, like you'll have a lot more opportunity purely because you've been there. And it sucks to say, but people know that you love working hard and and you're mate, you're you're a great conversationalist and you're and you're a great person at the end of the day. Like I remember when we first caught up, that's that was the vibe I get. And that's what I told Ali yesterday. I was like, he's like, Oh, I saw Mac went out the other day. I was like, mate, talk about fucking genuine people. But it's it's the truth. It, it's it. mate, it's true. Like and and so you, when I think you when you retire, like mate, you're gonna smash it because thank you. Companies love that. They love just having good people, good hardworking people. Just I think it. it's a it's a foot in the door, but you gotta open it. You know, sport is the foot in the door, and you gotta help hold it open so you can get through. Hundred percent. How'd you go managing, like with your training week, 
and trying all these different careers like yeah. how do you how do you fit that in well i wasn't doing it all at once <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, was okay but was, one career at a time <laughs> one career at a time mortgage nah, broking yeah no nah, nah, like in under 20s um before you go full-time professional you you either have to study or work in order to play yeah, which is okay. a great scheme they yeah. had back in the day there's no under 20s anymore um so i did a bunch of that because i had most of my day um yeah. but then when i was when i did turn 18 i was in the full-time system yeah um so all my days were, but like all my days were full. But mate, when you're playing um, NRL, a lot of the times recovery as well, um, because yeah. we're, we're like, we're bashing our bodies week in, week out. Yeah. And so I remember if I played on a Friday or played on a Saturday, my body's not coming good till like the Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. So, so there is, and so you almost get every second day off or you might have some half days. Yeah. So if I had a day off, I'd just go and help out a mate or I'd, be, or I'd hit up someone and be like, hey mate, like I'd love... I love coffee. Like, can we, can we, yeah. like, can you teach me how to make coffees? Yeah. And like, at the last, when we're in the bubble with Parramatta, we had seven or eight boys do a barista course. <laughs> we did, a, we did a barista course. We still That's suck. awesome. We still suck at making coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but like little things like that, and so there's always little things, and I think for not just NRL players, but like all athletes to try, try different things because figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring yeah. out what you want to do. I agree. Yeah. I find your um, like training week through the season fascinating yeah. because it's just maintenance, right? And Fully. so pre-season, you're just getting as fit as possible so you can hang on f- through the whole season? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. Like It just depends on the week because you're not playing Friday night every every week. So yeah. you might be playing Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday night. So, it's all, so you might have an eight-day turnaround, which is a long time. So they might try and squeeze in extra fitness sessions right. or extra strength sessions. Yeah. But or you might have a four day turnaround, which is really short. So you're pretty much just recovering, yeah. Getting like lacing the boots up and doing like a little walk around. Yeah. You know, it's always different. I I say I would love to feel like what this felt like, but I don't think I do. That like banged up feeling yeah. for a couple of days after. Yeah. Is it good? Did you enjoy it? Um I Or how would you describe it? Uh, it's a great question. I I don't know. I love the physicality. Like just throwing your body into it. I don't know what it was. Like, I just, I really enjoyed it early on in my career. As yep. I got more older and probably a little bit more mature, um, I realized that it wasn't a smart thing to do. Yep. Um, but if you could go back for what we know now, like, yeah. we'd obviously be a lot better off. But um, no, I, I loved it. And I, and I still loved it even when I was on the back end of my career in the yep. last couple of years. But yeah, waking up especially playing a full game. Like in my last two years, I, I wasn't playing huge minutes. I was, I'd yeah. be playing 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. Yeah. Um, I wasn't playing big 80 minutes like when I was when I first came into grade. Yeah. But it's like when you're playing big minutes, your body's just sore. Like you can't even, even just getting out of bed. I remember like, and like you've got scratches all over your face and um, you're trying to roll out of bed. I remember I had a mattress on the floor um, when I just because... I was young and cheap and yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I tried to on the floor and I remember I just couldn't get out of bed one morning. I remember like, I think I had a, um, a hip pointer. So like my hip was just like locked and then I had just battered and bruised and my missus like, are you sweet? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> so mate, I did to answer your question. No, I did not enjoy being bashed, but I don't know. I still kind of like sounds it. like kind of sick. Maybe once off. I don't think I could do it every week. Yeah, no, nah, it's um, and mate, I think it would take. It's that's what I look at crew who are playing for ten plus years. Yeah, and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how their body. Like for me, I I was in the system for I think maybe eight years, eight yeah. or nine years, but I only played professionally for about four or five. Um, 
and I I don't think I would want to play like I look at the guys bashing each other now like I watch the grand final and some of the semi-finals and even Origin I cringe I was like Man, yeah. I don't want to feel like that that's tough do some of the older guys pace themselves a bit more like they just know how to play yeah, okay. like Cam Smith yeah. um, I know nothing about rugby yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, this mate, could be silly questions yeah no they're no great idea. no they're yeah. great Cam Smith who's regarded as one of the best players in the current era um, he he's like 34 35 or something yeah. like that like he's so he's old in the sport maybe yeah. old, actually no he'd be getting on he'd be into his 30s yeah mid 30s um but he just knows how to play yeah like he knows when to go hard when to pull it back you're just smarter you just and like when you're younger a lot of young players will come in like 100 miles an hour but you also probably have to prove yourself when you're younger as yeah well. fully yeah 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 and you want to prove you want to show that your teammates that you are going to work hard for the them. bonding thing that's the bonding thing brother yeah full circle full circle Mate, Mac, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on. Um, you're a legend. Pleasure. You, mate, you not only inspire me, but you inspire everyone else. Um, I can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing with what ability. Good luck for World Champs thank in you. August. Um, and mate, that's it. It's been a pleasure. Mate, let's get in the sauna. We're in the sauna this afternoon. Let's go. Let's see you later.